welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. So today's reading is from the 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 16 to 21. When the, the United Church was, was formed... A document was written, which is really quite short. It's called The Basis of Union. And I, I urge you to read it. If you just put Basis of Union Uniting Church into your browser, it will come up straight away. And the reason I mention that is this is uh, one of the readings that's referred to in there because it's so significant in terms of mission. So 2 Corinthians five sixteen to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for your kind welcome, Rod, and it's wonderful to be here and to be able to share from this uh, amazing scripture. I have to confess that I'm uh, a bit of a fan of home makeover shows, uh, particularly the ones like Fixer Upper and Flip or Dip or whatever it's called, uh, where um, a couple, usually with the names of Chip and Chipper or uh, Jack and Jill, a uh, very perky couple find an old rundown house and decide that they're going to flip it and fix it up enough to put it on market and make some money out of it. And you watch the process and during the process, the faults and the ugly sections and a few other things are kind of papered over, a bit of paintwork done, maybe a few walls moved. The outside, they put a garden in that's, you know, just looks lovely but it's about that deep and then they put it on the market and sell it. Now these are not really home, uh, new homes. They might look new but really it's just a facade covering up the old. So I like those shows but the one that I really love is Grand Designs. Anyone here a Grand Designs fan? Every time I ask that, there's a few of us. Right. If you don't know Grand Designs, it's the story usually of um, a couple that we meet, and it's a bit upmarket, folks, but you meet this couple who are fabulously wealthy and have no, no real insight into designing anything, and they have decided to buy land that is almost inaccessible on a ridiculous slope, but has a great view, and on this site, they are going to build their dream home, and it's going to spring up from you, and you watch it 
as it goes. And you're, of course, making bets as to whether they're going to run out of money, which they inevitably do, and is the marriage going to last? And, you know, is this thing going to be finished? And in the end, you're showing this extraordinary, budget-blowing, sometimes stupendously, ridiculously huge house. But what really I love about it is the newness, the fact that from nothing, something is, grows which is amazing. Something coming from nothing. In our reading today, Paul is writing about this very thing. He's writing to a group of churches in the city of Corinth where he had set the church up, had started it, been lived there for 18 months, probably spent every every day teaching and preaching doctrine. Uh, But since he's left, there's been a difficult relationship between him and this church. And in this, which is in fact the third letter to the Corinthians, he is once again trying to kind of form some kind of relationship back with this church. And what I find fascinating is that Paul, again and again in Corinthians, as well as addressing the problems I had, he again and again reminds them what the gospel is all about and what the gospel achieves. And in this particular passage, he tells us that the gospel is not patching over old, disguising new th- old things and cracks and flaws and making us look new. But in fact, God is not interested in doing makeovers. He constructs and makes new creations. God builds grand designs. I think that this passage and those that speak about being a new creation are some of the most crucial you will find in the New Testament. If we really believed what Paul told us here, it would revolutionise our lives. It would revolutionise our neighbourhoods. And I'm forever grateful that I had ministers as I was growing up in Christ who kept reminding me of this. Because being a new creation changes us. I want to suggest three things, just three simple things that it changes in us when we take to heart that we are new creations in Christ, that we are grand designs. The scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The cornerstone of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, if we believe in him, then we are moved from death to life. We are made alive in him. And in being made alive in him, we are regenerated. I used to live in the Northern Hemisphere in a a section of the United States which had snow and all the trees lost their leaves about October and then about April they came back. Now coming from Australia, I had no idea what it was like to live in that and so about February I'd be looking for buds on the trees because I wanted to see spring. We don't get quite that kind of sense of regeneration here in the Southern Hemisphere but it's such a true thing. That we are regenerated, we made new, there's life that comes to us and the chasm between us and God has been bridged. And with being made alive, we're given a new identity. 
we actually, as new creations, become different people. That grand design. The only problem is we don't look different. When you get up the morning after you've given your life to Christ and you look in the mirror, you don't look any different than the day before. You might look in that mirror and say, I'm still the same. I'm still that shonky makeover. I'm still that person with all these insecurities. If people only really knew who I was, they would reject me. Because what's happened has happened inwardly. If the Spirit of God is now resident in your life. You are made new. But when we go through that process... There's nothing that shows on the outward. We don't gather a halo around us. We don't have a what would Jesus do bracelet on our wrist that magically appears. We don't get branded with a Jesus sticker or anything like that. So we may not feel or even see that we have this new identity in Christ. So we have to accept that as new creations, we have to accept what God says about us. Not by our outward appearance or not by our emotions, which flip and flop from one day to the next. Oh, see how I got that makeover thing in, flip and flop? Okay. God himself, when he looks at us, does not see a makeover. He doesn't even see the blueprint of the grand design. He describes us as if that grand design was reality. Now, we know we're going to have to go through a whole heap of stuff to change, and God is going to do that, but we are a new creation because he says we are. And we need to be constantly reminding ourselves of who we are according to how God sees us. I find it amazing if you can if you can think about you're standing in front of a mirror and you're saying I'm an adopted son or daughter. I'm justified freely by grace. I walk in newness of life. I am dead to sin but alive to God. I am being made holy. Thank goodness. I am made righteous. I already have eternal life. I have the Spirit of God present with me and God always leads me in triumph in Christ. They're all statements that God makes about new creation, people who have accepted the gospel of Jesus and you can find them in scripture. I didn't make them up. God wants to build something brand new. He wants us to understand that <clears throat> who we are as a new creation and to live in that reality. And to live in that reality. I had a friend <clears throat> who was came from a pretty rough background, had a conversion experience and was really grappling with thought life and and you know feeling like they were being dragged back to their old lifestyle. And so they made that list. I'm sure there were other things added to it and they stuck it to their bathroom mirror. So every time they got up in the morning and went to shave, they read the list. And they did this for six months and finally started to find that they started to believe these things about themselves. Reading it again and again, saying it again and again. If you're a neuroscientist, you'd be talking about making new neural pathways. 
so that we really believe what God tells us we are because we are new creations. Wouldn't that change our lives if we genuinely believed that we were new creations? That's, that's how God saw us, as those grand designs. The other thing that Paul says in this passage is that um, as we are new creations, we also find that not only does our view of ourselves change, but it changes our view of other people. That somehow, by being a new creation, we're able to distinguish in others and see others in a new way. I like to think of it as distinguishing between the makeovers and the grand designs. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So what's he talking about here? Well, Paul is writing to a city of Corinth, and Corinth was considered the commercial city of the Greco-Roman world. It was an incredibly important city, and it was all about how you looked, how others saw you. So if you lived in Corinth, you would be judged according to how wealthy you were. And how did you demonstrate how worthy you were? You wore fine clothes, you wore lots of jewellery, you made sure everyone knew that you had money. If you lived in Corinth, you were judged according to your social status. So you made sure people knew whether you were an aristocrat or a merchant, or whether you were a lowly slave, or even worse, whether you were a Roman soldier. And in the city of Corinth, as in other Greco-Roman cities, you were judged according to your race. Were you a Jew? Were you a Greek? Were you a Roman? Or were you a Parthenian? No one knew where you came from. And then there was judgment made about you according to be whether you were male or female. Everything in Corinthian society revolved around how you were seen by your outward appearance. But of course, our society is nothing like that, is it? We don't make any judgments on people according to the car that they drive and the house that they have and the shoes that they wear and the school that they send their kids to. We don't feel like we need to conform by wearing certain things to project a certain image of ourselves on social media or amongst our neighbourhood. I was being sarcastic there, by the way, in case someone didn't get it. This way of seeing, Paul tells us, is upended by the gospel. All that matters now for us is what we can't see. He says, now we see behind the outward appearance. What matters now are the inward spiritual issues. We recognise, and Paul recognised, that all human beings are made in the image of God and therefore have dignity and value. But he said, we need to understand that the most important thing is whether a person has experienced reconciliation with God. Have they accepted the gospel? Are they a new creation? And somehow, by the Spirit residing in us as new creations, he gives us the ability to be able to discern. He says, we are new creations, so our view has changed. We see beyond. We see beyond the riches. We see beyond the status. We see beyond the education. 
you know, a makeover house looks really fantastic on the outside, but if you're planning on buying it, my builder friends tell me, get an inspection done because it's the things you can't see are the most important. You want to get the foundations checked out, the wiring, the plumbing, find out how deep the garden topsoil is, all those things that look great on the outside, but you need to know what's on within. And those people who can give you an accurate assessment of the inward can can tell you the true state of the house. I had friends who bought a house and decided to put a pool, a small pool in the side uh, side yard and it looked lovely. It was just a little bit of lawn there. didn't grow very well, trees or anything. So they got the excavators in and the excavators went with a little digger and they found that there was only about that much topsoil, no wonder trees couldn't grow, and all the rest was a dump. It was full of builder's materials. They dug a pit and they'd just thrown everything in. There was stuff in there that obviously the builder thought, oh, I'm sick of that, so I throw it in there. There was a shopping trolley. I don't know how the shopping trolley got there, but that's there. So then my friends had to pay thousands of dollars extra just to get rid of the stuff that they never knew existed. I want you to think for a moment about your neighbours or the friends that you connect with on social media. Do you really know them? Do you really know them or do you just know their outward appearance? And the question is, how do we get to know them? How do we dig behind the outward appearance to discover what Paul tells us really matters and that is their inward spiritual state? Because until that, we don't really reach them. And uh, I find it fascinating that if we challenged ourselves, could we, could we really get to know one of our neighbours? Don't, don't pick the grumpy one, really. You know, you want to pick someone who actually you can talk with. But do we want to put aside our preconceptions and our time? What would it look like if we really listened to them? really got to know them and looked at them from a non-worldly point of view. I think that the Spirit of God would help us to discern their inner spiritual state. And we would know and we would find out whether they're a fellow believer, a grand design or someone who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a challenge for us. And the third way being a new creation changes us is that we see our purpose in life. Everyone wants their life to mean something. Everyone wants meaning and purpose. We want to leave something of lasting significance. Some of our friends and even maybe some of us have decided that wealth or fame is going to bring meaning. And others have said, well, if I have a good family or a successful career, that's my purpose for life. Paul suggests to us that because we're a new creation in Christ, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus, that alone gives us a clear purpose for our life. Because we know who we are, because we know a new creation, because we know we've been reconciled to God, And because we know that that has changed us, therefore reconciliation with God might change someone else. 
And because we no longer look at other people through a worldly point of view, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the message of reconciliation. He tells us that as new creations, we take the message that you can be reconciled to God and we become ambassadors, appealing to other people, representing God to other people. And it's not just a few people that have been given that ministry and that purpose in life. It's not just the ones like Rod who are erudite and handsome and, you know, obviously God has given him that ministry. It's all of us. All of us have been given this ministry of reconciliation. But before we all freak out, because we think that means we have to go witness on the street... I want to remind us that it's not us that does the work of reconciliation, it's God. It's God who's reconciled us and he will reconcile other people. It's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, burial and resurrection that brings about reconciliation. Nothing that we can do to do it. Our job is simply to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to undertake this ministry. You know, we're simply to rely on the Spirit leading us into conversations, leading us into situations, leading us into relationships, divine appointments, if you would, where we might at some time and at some place be able to speak the message of reconciliation. The latest NCLS community survey says that 56% of Christians in our community, of, sorry, 56% of Australians do not know anyone personally who attends church or claims to be a Christian. 56% of your neighbours don't know anyone except you. Our job is not to be involved in hasty makeovers. We're not in the self-help business. We're not in the motivational business. Our job is simply to point people to a patch of ground and give, tell them that God can give them a brand new start in life that he can build them into the person that he created them to be because he's already done it for us. God is not interested in doing makeovers in our lives. God is interested in constructing new creations. He builds grand designs. And our challenge is, as we go out this week, from this passage that is incredibly familiar with, and we've probably heard umpteen sermons about it, is to anew think about, will we allow our identity as a person be formed by who God says we are rather than what we tell ourselves or what others might tell us? Will we see people with fresh eyes? Will we look at others not according to their outward appearance, but ask God to show us their inner spiritual state? And will we take up the meaning and purpose for our lives is to be ministers of reconciliation, taking the message of reconciliation that God has given us to our neighbours and our friends and our families. Amen. Let me pray.
Father, we want to be people who respond to your word. Pray for each one of us who struggles with their identity. I pray that you would help them to begin to understand what being a new creation is. If For those who have not yet made that step, I pray that this would be a significant move in that direction for them. I pray for us as we think about the way in which we see others. Father, give us spirits of discernment that would be able to see beyond the outward appearance and look at people's inner spiritual state. And Father, I pray that each one of us would take up those opportunities when we get the chance to say something about reconciliation with God, when we're able to express that message, give us great wisdom and insight, I pray. And we commit ourselves to these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.